Well, good morning. Let me welcome you today and excited to be in God's house. We had an incredible week down at False Creek, 250 plus kids and uh, adults from our church went and we just saw God do some incredible things. And so uh, thank you so much for those of you who uh, supported and sent kids and uh, thank you for trusting us with your, with your youngins and grandkids. It, uh, it's always a highlight uh, to get to go to Falls Creek and just to watch probably somewhere close to 4,000 plus students gather and worship the Lord. Uh, it will do your heart well, let me tell you. This morning uh, is certainly a little different. You probably uh, got a email or a text that uh, uh, today I wanted to share my heart with you on some issues and things. So today's kind of what I would call a, uh, a family meeting. And um, one of the things that uh, I want to say to our guest, one, thank you for being here, but today's going to be certainly different, but you get to hear my heart as pastor. And um, I shared with you uh, back a couple of weeks ago, and I probably stunned some of you because I said that in the days to come, I wanted to share with you uh, what I believe to be uh, the direction of our church for the next probably 20 to 30 years. We probably looked at me and went, okay, you're, you're getting old, and uh, you know, how in the world are you going to do this? Um, so, um, but I want to do that today. Um, this, this coming August, uh, I will have the privilege of being your pastor for 19 years. Uh, it has been uh, an incredible journey, and I will tell you, I truly believe that I have had the privilege of pastoring literally the greatest, the best family in church, not in the Tulsa area, not just in Oklahoma, but literally in America. When I came here 19 years ago, one of the things I shared with you because God gave me a vision was that I wanted this to be a place uh, that would be safe. What I meant by that is over my years in the ministry, and I've now spent 52 years of my life doing this, started full-time pastoring when I was 18 years of age, surrendered when I was 15, and uh, I have seen so many churches that were not safe places. Uh, I've seen churches shoot their own wounded. Uh, I've seen people be encouraged to put the mask on. Don't tell me your problems. Don't tell me about your sins. Don't tell me about your, your strongholds or your giants within your life because I really don't want to deal with them. You come, you preach, you teach, you come and be in Sunday school and small groups and worship and go home and don't tell us about it. But that's not what God designed the church to be. God designed the church to be a place, in a sense, to some degree like a spiritual hospital where people could come and be loved and accepted and understand that didn't mean that we condone their sin, but what it did mean that there's not a one of us, and you've heard me say this for years, that there's not a one of us that's perfect in this room. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, so you know, I've said to you in the past, all of us are one choice away from stupidity. And anybody can make a bad choice, any of us. So any of us can stumble, any of us can fall into sin. And so what I wanted this place to be was a place that certainly people could come and say, man, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, I need help, I, I want to get back to where God wants me to be, and that we would truly hold the rope for them. And in doing so, that we would help them become all that God wanted them to do based upon truth, that is based upon the gospel. I shared with you a statement last Sunday. I said, we're living in a world today that we are heavy on culture. That is, we're letting our culture dictate to us, and we're light on truth. I will tell you, the ministry of First Baptist Jinx has always been strong on truth. 
Because I knew and you knew that the only one that could heal and restore was God. And so one of the things we have done during these 19 years is to make sure that we always were preaching the gospel, that we was always preaching truth, that we were always pointing people to Jesus Christ and his saving knowledge, that we were discipling and equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And we have seen God do amazing things. As I said, I have had the privilege of doing this now for 52 years, and the passage of Scripture I even shared this passage with you when I came, has really been the driving force of my ministry. And I want to read it to you again. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And this is what it says. And I, when I came to you, brothers. So Paul is writing this to the church at Corinth. And so I put myself there. When I came to you, literally 19 years ago, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. But I declared to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So in other words, in everything that I wanted to make sure that we did in ministry, it was always about Jesus. It was always about the resurrection power of Christ, what he paid in the ultimate price of giving his life for us. But then it says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. I have told you from day one, we were not going to build a ministry around Rick Fry or around a program or around a staff. It was going to be built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. But then Paul also said, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That has been what has uh, driven me for these 52 years. And I hope and pray that I have done that for you. I know many of you have asked um, periodically, Pastor, when are you going to retire? Now, I don't know if that meant because you thought I was getting old and I needed to retire uh, or what it was. But many of you have asked me that. And I think probably, excuse me, a lot of that had to do with the fact that you knew again that I was getting up in years. Diane had retired, and so it's like, you know, do you know what you're going to do? A few months ago, uh, I began to pray and realized that that day was going to come eventually. Didn't know when, but I began to pray and ask the Lord, God, what is it that I need to do to make sure that we as a church, because I believe that my leadership and shepherding you doesn't end just because of the fact that I may announce that I'm going to retire sometime. And so the Lord laid this analogy upon my heart. I started thinking about the stuff that I take care of as a pastor, that I deal with on a daily basis. And so um, what I did, I took the word stuff, S-T-U-F-F, and then I began to look at the analogy of it. So S stood for staff. I think they're going to put this up on the screen for you. Um, so what are the staffing needs that we have in our church? What are, are there any changes that need to be made? Do I need to shift anybody, you know, where they can really uh, just do an excellent job? So that relates to staff. T was my timeline. What was the timeline that I felt that God was saying to me, okay, son, it's time for you to, after 52, 53 years in ministry, it's time you spend some time with Diane and, and your grandkids and, and have another journey for you in life and ministry. You is the unfinished business. What is the unfinished business that, 
as a pastor, as a shepherd that certainly I need to take care of. The first F was finances. I shared with you that we wanted to be debt-free by the end of 23, that we wanted to have all of this debt taken care of. God has blessed us to think that at one time we were sitting on uh, about a block and a half, and today, when we first bought, we bought 28 acres out here and built this facility. Four years later, we had to build on again because our church was exploding in preschool and children, so we built on the children's wing. And then a couple of years ago, in the midst of COVID, we bought an additional 13 acres. So our church sets today on 41 prime acres in Jinx America. That is a God blessing, let me tell you. So that we can do whatever we want to do, whatever God leads us to do. We've got the room to do it. We don't have to worry about it like we were before as we were so confined. And so, um, and then the last F was facilities. So what are the things that we need to take care of in our facilities? Because we've now been in this building now about 11 years, 12 years. And so, you know, there's painting. There's things we need to fix. We've got some carpet back here that we need to take care of. We've got some issues we need to work on. Our, uh, we're finishing up on the annex over there, and hopefully we're going to get that open and ready to be used. Uh, so there's, what, are the, what are the things that we need to take care of? And so God began to lay that on my heart. And, uh, and I knew, though, that there was another step to this, and that was a transition team. A transition team to help me, to walk with me through this process, so that when the day came, that we would have a very smooth transition, that it would be one that you as a church would be excited about and be proud of. And so I spent a great deal of time on my face and in the Word and beginning to pray, and I'm going to show you the, the pictures of these individuals. So as I begin to pray, I, um, I asked Terry Keim, which is one of our deacons. I asked Ron Mails, which is one of our deacons. Uh, well, Shintu, which is one of our deacons. Uh, Cheyenne Alexander. Cheyenne works with pre-K in our student ministry. Natalie Copeland is in our women's ministry. Um, okay. And uh, Reggie Weatherly is working with our student ministry. And then Spencer Sutherland is in our young adults. So we begin to meet and pray, and uh, it's an amazing team. Uh, they love this church. It's a wide spectrum of ages and people and length of time in our church. Uh, our constitution and bylaws uh, allows us to do this. Uh, the, the main thing, so we basically said this would be a transition team uh, and working with us. What I have discovered, though, is in the past 10 years, when churches are healthy and they have a Certainly, a great relationship with their pastor. He's been there for a long time, 19 to 20 years or 30 years or whatever. Um, that what we have seen taking place when a pastor retires is either someone already on the staff uh, is prepared and moves into that position so that when he retires, again, it's seamless. Or it is uh, someone that had been on their staff and maybe brought back. Or it, if that didn't happen, it was someone that they called he came in, and he then had the privilege of working with the pastor, say, for 12, 15 to 12 months, and then there was a smooth transition. Um, a lot of you know that when Cody was here on my staff, Cody was, had been with me 10 years. Uh, Cody was my Timothy. He's my son in the ministry. Drew is my Timothy. He's my son in the ministry. I have a lot of those, and I, and I love pouring into these guys. Um, I, had, I had hoped, and many of you had expressed, that when that day came that I would retire, that many of you had, had even said and hoped that maybe, and I certainly hoped and prayed that this would happen, that Cody would slide into that role because there was nobody, certainly I thought, that was any better uh, to help our church continue to grow in the next season of its life. Well, when Cody felt a call to go to Manu Baptist Church in Little Rock, 
to be their pastor of ministries and missions, I think most of you know that day, my heart was broken because I love this young man. I love his family. Um, and the reason why is, like I said, I'd poured 10 years of my life into him. I'd watch him grow and mature, become an excellent preacher. Many of you here back a few months ago had the opportunity to hear him when they came back and I asked him to preach. And uh, I, I literally, I told him as he was driving home that afternoon, I said, you do know when the day comes that, that I do pull the trigger and, and retire that uh, uh, you're probably going to have a decision to make. And we just left it there. Um, I want you to go back to the, to the T in the stuff for just a moment. Remember, that was the timeline. So as I had prayed and as I had worked through this, I had really felt that probably that I would retire sometime in 24. That was kind of where I'd sit. Well, Cody Brianna came and spent the weekend with us uh, on Memorial Weekend. And uh, during that time... I actually looked at Cody and I said, Cody, I want to ask you a question because family, there's a big difference in being called to ministry and called to pastor. There are men that are great in the pulpit, but they don't know how to shepherd and they don't know how to care for a church family. There are men who are great shepherds, but couldn't preach their way out of a paper sack. Okay? I know. I've seen them. I've always felt that my calling as a pastor was a pastor shepherd. I love preaching. I love teaching. I think you know that. But I love my family. I, I'm relational. And we have led our church relationally. We make decisions relationally because we care. We, you, you've heard me say this multiple times. We are a family. And we're not a closed family, meaning that anybody wants to come be a part of this family, we're going to love them and accept them and tie a rope around them and hang on to them. Um, and so I asked Cody that. And uh, Cody looked at me and he said, you know, it's funny that you asked because God has really been affirming that in my heart over the last few months that I really felt. And Brianna even said, oh, yeah, I've seen it in him. And others had affirmed that in him, that uh, he was uh, really beginning to sense and feel a call to pastor, to shepherd. And so as we continue to talk, I begin to realize that Cody probably wasn't going to be around by 24 because he was opening his heart up to follow the leadership of the Lord. And I knew that if his name got out there as good as he is, somebody was going to come snatch him up. So I began to pray and really ask the Lord because I knew all of this was in God's will and God's purpose and God's plan. And so I said, would you be willing, if I felt like that I was going to retire in 23, would you be willing to uh, let me put your name before our family? And so he spent a day, and the next morning we were sitting there drinking coffee, and he looked over at me, and we were not having any conversations where this answer would come up, so he just looked at me and goes, yes. And I go, excuse me? Yes to what? Because we weren't talking about anything to get a Yes. And so we went on and talked, and uh, I came back and I shared this with our transition team, and uh, every one of them, you got to understand, this is all mixed emotions, and, and there's, the, uh, there's a lot of levels to this emotion. There's 
the emotional level that I have because I have loved you and been your pastor for 19 years and hopefully will be for 20. And, um, but then there's an excitement knowing that our church could have literally one of the smoothest transitions of any church that I know to a young man that literally could come in and lead our church to the next season of its life. That's why I said literally for the next 20 to 30 years, uh, this could catapult our church to unbelievable potential. For me, that excites me because the, the thing that would break my heart would be to spend 20 years as your pastor and then to see our church implode. And can I tell you that happens all of the time. There are churches that I can take you to right now not too far from here that didn't do a transition like this. A pastor was there for 30 years and they called just a guy and it has imploded. Uh, it, it would break my heart. Um, and so, because I love this church and, and I've told you from day one, this is not about you, it's not about me, it's not, about, it's not my church, it's not your church, this is God's church. So what I've tried to do is be very sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. What is God leading me as your pastor to, sh to lead you? And, but it's ultimately it's your decision. It's not my decision. So then I met with our deacons. And I shared with them this whole process. And I will have to tell you, we have an, an amazing group of spiritual leaders in this church. And our deacons overwhelmingly felt such a peace. So what we are coming as a transition team and as deacons and your pastoral leadership, and let me just say to you, our staff is also elated because I already know Cody. So there's a great piece there. Uh, Drew's excited. I mean, all of us, to be honest with you, are. Um, so what we're coming as a recommendation to you is that two weeks from today, on July the 10th, we'd be in a special call business meeting to vote on uh, the recommendation of our deacons and our transition team that we would bring Cody in on the, seventh, the weekend of the 16th and 17th. On that Saturday would be a question and answer time, a Q&A time to be able to ask him any questions, ask me any questions uh, that you might want to ask, that he would preach then on the 17th in view of a call to be lead pastor in waiting and work with me for the next 15 months. I could not be more excited. Not excited because um, I'm gonna retire, but Cody comes with an instant trust, an instant credibility. He was with me for 10 years in this church. Started out part-time working with our students and with Kyle when he was here as our student pastor, and I watched him grow, and then when Kyle left and went to another church, we moved Cody in to be the full-time student pastor. He did an incredible job. And then when Cole left uh, to go pastor in Texas, Cole was my executive pastor, I felt such a leading of the Spirit of God to move him into that role, and boy, did we watch that young man grow. And I, I kidded him back then because he talked so fast that I had to try to slow him down every Sunday. You know, Sunday, slow down. But when, during that time, as you recall, I had multiple surgeries. And this young man stepped in and led our church and preached the word and uh, did an incredible job. 
and uh, then certainly when God called him away. I finally came to believe that God called him away so he could bring him back, that he could go learn and experience some things that, uh, that he would not be able to experience any, any other way. So again, the recommendation is that we'd bring him on that, uh, on that weekend. He would preach that morning. We'd vote that morning. Uh, and he would be lead pastor in waiting and work with me and shadow me and work with him. And I'll be honest with you, I'm excited about that for the next 15 months that I would officially retire at the end of uh, December of 23. And um, God led me to a passage of Scripture I want to read to you. This has been one that has just stood out. I actually preached from this when I was preaching on Barnabas some time ago. And the other day I sat in the office and and God just brought me back to this passage. I want to read it to you. It's in the 13th chapter of the book of Acts, and it records one of the most remarkable stories of probably one of the Christian missionary teams of taking the gospel and sharing the gospel. This is what it says in verse 2. And while they, that is the Christians in Antioch, were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. Now, when the team gets ready to part on this incredible missionary journey, Barnabas is the leader. Paul was the follower. Barnabas was in charge. Paul was assisting. But somewhere along the way, it changes. In Acts 13, 16, he says, So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. And then in Acts 13, 46, it says, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. Somewhere along the way, the leadership flipped. Barnabas, who was the leader when the team departed, yielded the reins of leadership to his assistant, who was Paul. I want you to listen to me. The supreme test of any leader is the willingness to be the one who may have led others to become a steady, faithful follower of another leader. There is no greater joy or no greater excitement that I have than to get to watch Cody, as I have, have had the privilege, when it's all said and done for 20 years, to lead our church, to lay the foundation, and to see certainly where God will take it in the next season of its life. I love you. This is home. Always will be. And the thing with Cody is that, uh, as I told him, once I retire, I'm, I'm gone for six months because I don't need to be around. And I got tickled at him because he looked at me and said, after the six months, you better get yourself back here because I want you to still get to be a part. So there's, an, there's a part of me that is excited that in some small way, I will be his biggest flag waver. I will be there to help any way that I can. But to get to watch this family continue to grow, continue to disciple, to continue to be all that God wants it to be, that he will take the dream and the vision because he has those values that has been somewhat impregnated into the life of this church, of who we are, 
and he will continue to build on it and grow on it. So from my heart to you, I hope and pray that you will just uh, pray and ask God for a peace as he has given our leadership team, our transition team, our deacons, that he will do the same for you. And that we'll come on the 10th and uh, we'll have that vote. And then he would come on the 17th. And probably somewhere around about the 1st of August, they would come, get his kids in school. And uh, Cody will be here with us uh, to work with me and help us lead. And then at the end of 23, we would hand that baton off and get to watch God continue to grow and bless and do amazing things. So this morning, we're going to do something a little different. When, I, when we finish in a minute, give the invitation. If you have any questions, I will be back in the hospitality room. Come back there. Ask me anything. I'll be glad to do that. Um, and I know the more this morning has been different. It's not been me preaching a typical sermon. But family, I could not be any more excited. Where I believe God wants to take this church and what he wants to continue to do in the life of this church. And I hope and pray that you see the value and the importance and the significance of that. That we would not miss a beat and where God wants to take us. Do I believe one of the most incredible young men, and if you did not hear his sermon that he preached back a few months ago, that young man has grown so much even in the last three years. And I can't wait to follow his leadership and where he takes us and what he does with us for the glory of our great God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning, and I thank you so much for this incredible family. I know I've laid a lot out on them today, but Lord, I pray that you would just fill this room with your power and your presence and your peace that just passes all understanding. There's a family that will be excited to know that you're still at work, and you want to work, and you want to do great things in the life of this church. So, Father, I pray today that uh, when the invitation is given, that, Lord, that you speak to hearts. Maybe someone's here that's been contemplating or thinking about becoming a part of this family, and they're going, man, I don't, I don't know if I, I need to right now until I know what's going to happen. Lord, nothing has changed. Nothing will change. We will continue to press forward of loving and discipling and holding the rope and standing in the gap and and Cody will take us into directions and a new season that will even beyond my wildest dreams. Because this is about you. It's about your kingdom. So Father, I pray that you speak to hearts today. I pray that we'd be excited. And that we will realize that this is for your glory. And I pray that in Jesus' sweet and powerful name. Amen.